You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. The month of June, we are in a series called Hostage, How to Break Free from Certain Things. Last week, we talked about breaking free from bitterness. That's a really important message. So if you missed that, I'd go back, get it online, because if bitterness grows a root in your life, it's very destructive. If you've got a root that grew up by a foundation or a sidewalk, it just lifts it and destroys it. And if that root gets growing in your life, it destroys relationships, destroys your life. So good message to go back and catch if you happen to be gone that weekend. Today we're going to be talking about the worry and how do we break free from worry because worry also will hold you hostage so we're going to go through that today uh if you were here at the end of june this series has a tags on to the june series and the last message we did we brought up a electrical generator we put it up here on the stage and fired it up and and uh, made some fumes so we'd never forget it and uh, it was a lot of fun the illustration was this the generator is like our life. We're designed to generate power. Acts 1.8 says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Luke 10.19, Jesus says, lo, I have given you power and authority to tread over serpents and scorpions over all the power of the devil. So we are designed for power. We came from the factory that way. We were designed by our maker, by a creator to have power flow through us. So we established that point. The generator is the faith side of it. The fuel tank was designed to hold love. Faith works by love. And you can have the biggest generator in the world, but if you don't have any fuel going through it, it doesn't do anything. That's what Paul said when he wrote 1 Corinthians 13. Though I have faith to move mountains, I have not love. It's nothing. There's no power generated. So love is very crucial. So we've got love in the gas tank. God pours love into our hearts. Then we showed on the generator that it has a fuel filter, it has an air filter to filter out impurities so that there's a pure mixture for the motor to run. We gave a picture of a spark plug that was fouled up and corroded, and that had to be clean in order for it to be good ignition. And our lives have to have the junk filtered out in order for us to produce power. A motor be, might be designed to have X amount of horsepower, But if you have impurities come in there, that horsepower really drops. And the power in our life is severely diminished if we have worry in the gas tank. If we allow worry to come into our lives, it robs us of the power that God designed us to have in our life. He said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And if this worry comes in, it's like it chokes up this river of living water to come out of our heart. So what is worry? Worry, now this might hurt a little bit because we all wrestle with it. Worry is a sin. Why is it a sin? It's a sin because it operates in the fear camp. Faith doesn't have worry. Faith trusts. Worry operates by fear. It's afraid of what's going to happen and it plays it forward. It thinks about it. It meditates on it. It it plays out all the scenarios and keeps going back and back and back, even though it can't do anything about it. It just keeps meditating on that. Worry comes from a German word, which means literally to choke, to strangle. And that's what worry does for us. It chokes or it strangles out the power that God's designed us to walk in. Here's a couple of quotes on worry, what it is in your notes. Worry is a small trickle of fear that meanders through the mind until it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. And when something begins to consume you, you begin to worry about it, 
Don't you find that everything else just kind of drains into that, that your life becomes centered around this which you're worrying on? Worry is putting a question mark where God has put a period, John Rice. Stanley Jones said, worry is interest we pay on tomorrow's troubles. I like this epitaph of a warrior. Worried, I mean hurried, worried, and buried. Very simple. You probably know somebody like that. Uh, then I don't know who wrote this, but it's good. Worry's like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. You just, you, it's wasted energy. Just like, so that's what worry is. Obviously, we don't want to do it. Jesus tells us emphatically not to do it. A number of times the Bible says, don't worry. So what's the solution? How do we get around this? Well, before we go, though, let's talk about what we worry about. And if we look at Canadians, I did a little bit of research, and there was a, a company that did a survey, a big survey across Canada this year, and they were surveying what was the top concern or worry for Canadians when it comes to health. Do you know what the number one worry for Canadians when it comes to health is? Canadians worry they get cancer. That's number one. Number two, Canadians worry they get Alzheimer's disease. Those are the top two worries of Canadians about their health that they worry about. They think about it. They play it forward. They imagine themselves with cancer, imagine themselves with Alzheimer's. What's it going to be like? What's going to happen? They, so that's what they worry about. Finances. We worry a lot about finances, especially... Apparently, for Canadians, if you're over 45, you worry about your finances and retirement. Another survey by Ipsos Reid found that 74% of Canadians are very much concerned and worried about not having enough to maintain their standard of living when they retire. 62% said, I'm very worried that there will not be enough money in the healthcare system to take care of me after I retire. I'm concerned that I won't have the care I need when I get older. Only 8% said, I'm not worried about my finances when I retire. Only 8% of Canadians in this survey said, I'm not worried about that. So that means a lot of us are worried about what it's going to be like when we retire. When we're younger, we don't think about that so much. But I guess after 45, we kind of wake up and say, oh, I better do something about this. So that's kind of the picture for Canada as a whole there. And, you know, Mark chapter 4, verse 18 is there in your notes. It says, the thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares of this life. I'm reading on a different translation. Let me give it the one you have. Verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. And what? The cares or the worries of this world, deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things, enter it and choke the word. This is, this is a definition. This is where the original word worry in the German comes from. It means to choke out. It chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith gives us power, correct? What does worry do? It literally chokes out the power of God in our life. We need the power of God to be overcomers. You were designed for victory. I was designed for victory. We're designed to be more than conquerors in Christ. How is that possible? When we put our cares in Christ, we could be more than conquerors in Christ. If they're not in Christ, we're not more than conquerors. But if they're in Christ, then we're more than conquerors. So we thought just for fun, we'd do a little survey here this morning. 
please do not turn off your phones. Please turn your phones on. Just keep on the vibrator. And uh, we're going to do a little survey this morning and find out what we're worrying about here in the congregation this morning. So we're going to put up a picture on the screen. And what you do is you just text the number there. The phone number you text is 37607. It's actually not a number. And then you just type in where you are. Now, we want to be very careful how we worded this. So we didn't say, what do you worry about? Because worry is a sin. We just discovered that. So we don't want to say that. We don't want to say we're sinners. Uh, so we're going to... We reworded it a bit. Here we go. What areas of worry do you struggle with the most? Okay. And that's true. We all struggle with something in our lives we worry about. We struggle with it. So let's find out where we are here this morning. Man, you guys are quick. We already got 10 results. I haven't finished announcing. Way to go. Okay. Number one is finances. So you type in worry one, health, worry two, children, family, worry three, relationship, worry four, job, employment, worry five. So... If you are dating somebody and you're really struggling to do the love me, don't they love me? Will he ask me to marry him? Won't he ask me to marry him? You would pick number four. Or if you are here and your kids are away, worry five. Yes, thank you. That's, uh, worry five is for jobs. Four is for relationships. Three, children, family. You get it, right? Simple. Okay, so... We're going to leave that up for a bit. Can you have two boxes open at one time? We can leave that up, and I'll keep preaching. Can we do that? I don't think we can, because you guys are all glued to the screen. Okay, we'll try it. We'll leave that up. Man. Finances. The last one, relationships, was way out in front. So we'll leave it up for a bit. Keep texting, and we'll see where it goes. Okay. While that's happening, while you're doing that, uh, let's go to... Matthew chapter 6, 24 to 33. And let's read what Jesus had to say about not worrying. I'm going to warn you, in this passage, Jesus says three times not to worry. How many know if Jesus repeats himself? It's not because he forgot what he just said. He's repeating himself. He's trying to make a point for us, right? So let's go here. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. Then here it says, you cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible. So I tell you, because money is a big worry in your life, so he says, I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes, doesn't life consist of more than clothing? So that's the first time. I tell you, don't worry. Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than they are. You're more valuable than the birds. So I care for the birds, and you're more valuable. I will care for you. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory has not, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he surely care for you? Question mark. The answer is yes. You have so little faith. What he was saying here is you have, your faith is little. It could be more, but it's little. What reduced it? What, what hindered? What choked out the horsepower in your life, if you like? What choked it out was cares, worries. You, your faith is diminished because of your worries. Then verse 31. So don't worry. Again, he's telling us don't worry. About having food or drink or clothing, why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned, deeply worried about these things? Our we should not be described as Christians as deeply concerned, deeply worrying people. 
Your heavenly father knows all your needs and he will give you all you need from day to day. Then here's an if. You got to note when the ifs are because it's conditional. If you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So if it's all about you and all about your kingdom, you're for no more, then you're going to have to make an adjustment. We're living for his kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then verse 33. So don't worry. This is the third time. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, you've got enough challenges today. Work on what you can today. There's some stuff coming tomorrow that will come tomorrow. Leave that with me, but you focus on what you need to do today. Can we go back to our survey? I'm just curious to see where we ended up on this. All right, you guys are finances, then relationships, then job, employment, and then health, and then Children and families. So this is kind of the snapshot of what we're struggling with, our group right here uh, at the 11 o'clock service. Let me talk a bit about what effect worry has on our lives. How many here this morning think worry can affect your health? Okay, if you raise your hand, you're absolutely right. There's a book which we sold out of in the first service. I'm sorry, but it's gone. Early bird got the worm. And yeah, there's a, a great book. We'll, we'll bring in more for next week. And it's called Who Switched Off My Brain? Controlling Toxic Thoughts and Emotions by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Great author. She has her PhD in this line of work. She studies the brain. She studies how it works. But she's also a dedicated Christian. And she writes about the effect that worrying and toxic thoughts have on our health. I want to read a little bit from the book for you this morning. She writes, Neurologically, your heart is sensitive to what you think and feel. Your thoughts directly affect your heart. Of course, that's what we've been saying from the Word of God, to guard our heart with all vigilance, for out of our heart flows the issues of life, right? So she goes on to write, Here are some examples of various heart conditions where stress, which is a result of worrying, is a major contributor. Hypertension, high blood pressure, chest pain, spasms of heart tissue, coronary heart disease, strokes, ballooning or swelling of blood vessels. She writes, toxic stress is particularly powerful because your heart is not just a pump. It is actually like another brain. And you thought you only had one brain. Science demonstrates that your heart has its own independent nervous system, which is a complex system referred to as the brain in the heart. There are at least 40,000 neurons, nerve cells in the heart, as many as found in various parts of the brain. In effect, the brain in your heart acts like a checking station for all the emotions generated by the flow of chemicals created by thoughts. It is proving to be a real intelligence force behind the intuitive thoughts and feelings you experience. The heart also produces an important biochemical substance called an arteriopeptide, specifically ANF. It is the balanced hormone that regulates many of your brain's functions and stimulates behavior. New scientific evidence on the heart, neurologically sensitive, indicates that there are lines of communication between the brain and the heart that check the accuracy and integrity of your thought life. The reality is your heart is in constant communication with your brain and the rest of your body. The signals your heart sends to your brain influence not just perception and emotional processing, but higher cognitive functions as well. Resentment, bitterness, lack of forgiveness, self-hatred are just a few of the toxic thoughts and emotions that can also trigger immune system disorders. Toxic thoughts and emotions prevent your immune system from doing what it's designed to do naturally. She goes on to write about the digestive system, 
how negative thoughts, worry, affect your digestive systems. Digestive disorders which can originate from the effects of toxic thoughts and emotions include constipation, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, cramping, ulcers, leaky gut syndrome, irritable bowel syndrome. And she, she as a scientist, traces it back to these thoughts. I like her book because she takes something fairly academic and breaks it down for the layperson. She says, basically, your thoughts come at you, and then you have a choice. You can either dismiss the thoughts or you can hold on to the thoughts and entertain them. It is not a sin to have a worrisome thought. That's not a sin. If you take it and meditate on it, play it forward, and let it roll around in your mind and transmit that thought, that's where you're going to have the problem. Our Lord knew what he was doing when he said, don't worry. Because what's happening to us inside, she describes. When we take those thoughts, we hold on to them, you're... Your brain has a transmitter in it and literally transmits the thoughts to a chemical plant. Inside your brain, you've got this little chemical plant. Your body has a chemical plant. And depending on what thoughts you send it, it sends chemicals into your body. And so she writes a bit about the chemical factory. The hypothalamus is like a chemical factory where the thought building process happens and where the type and amount of chemicals released into the body are determined. The thalamus signals the hypothalamus to chemically prepare to respond to your thoughts. The endocrine system is a collection of glands and organs that mostly produce and regulate your hormones. The hypothalamus is often referred to as the brain of the endocrine system controlling things like thirst, hunger, body temperature, and the body's response to your emotional life. The hypothalamus is like a pulsating heart responding to your emotions and thought life, greatly impacting how you function emotionally and intellectually. Listen carefully. This means that if you are anxious or worried about something, what's happening inside you when you worry about it? The hypothalamus responds to the anxious and worrying attitude with a flurry of stress chemicals engaging the pituitary gland, the master gland of the endocrine system. The endocrine system secretes the hormones responsible for organizing the trillions of cells in your body to deal with the impending threats. Negative thoughts shift your body's focus to protection and reduce your ability to process and think with wisdom or grow healthy thoughts. On the other hand, if you change your attitude and determine to apply God's excellent advice not to worry, the hypothalamus will cause a secretion of chemicals that facilitate the feeling of peace and the rest of the brain will respond by uh, secreting the correct formula of neurotransmitters for thought building and clear thinking. And there's much more to be said in her book. The bottom line is this, worrying directly affects what's going on physically, chemically in our bodies. When you go back to the story of Gideon, Judges chapter 6, Gideon is, you know, he's in this wine press and he's thrashing his wheat, hiding from the enemy. God shows up and says, Gideon, I've chosen you. You're the man. These people are oppressing this nation. And I've chosen you. You're the leader. And Gideon says, whoa, time out, God, time out. No, no can do. You, you got the wrong guy. I am the least of the least. I come from the least. I'm born on the other side of the track, and my family is the least. You, you need to get somebody else to do this job. And God says, no, I've chosen you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's all great. You know? And he's like, how am I ever going to do this? Now, these, this army has oppressed them. They've been hiding from this army. And God says, I've picked you to deliver the people. Then something very, very significant happens. God introduces himself as Jehovah Shalom. This is the first time we hear God's name as Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. 
And he says to Gideon, I'm the God of peace. Now, you got a battle, go fight. I would have thought God would have said, I'm the God of victory. I will give you victory. But he says, I'm the God of peace. Now, I'm going to, and the odds are really stacked against him. Why does God introduce himself as the God of peace in the biggest battle? And, and Gideon, he could have been super, super worried. If you go back and you read the story of what Gideon did, I mean, he had every right to be worried and stressed and anxious and all the rest of it, but, he, but he's not. He goes into battle. His palms aren't sweaty. He's not shaky. He's not nervous. Why? Because the battle belonged to the Lord. He had a rest. He had a peace He did what he could do, which wasn't a lot, but he cast the rest onto God and he went into battle and had the victory. This is exactly where God wants us to be. Walk in peace because I will fight your battles. Cast those cares. Put them on me. I will care for you. Does it affect us health-wise? Absolutely. Emotions? Absolutely. Weighs us down. Proverbs 12, 25 says, worry weighs a person down. Relationships. When you're stressed, if we allow worry to come into our lives, how does it affect our relationships? I know it affects me, and I, I plead guilty. I wrestle with this, struggle with it. I can, can become curt. I can become snappy, irritable, and I, I have to get away and pray and kind of dismiss that because it, and it, because it can affect the relationship with my wife. It can affect the relationship with my children. It could affect the relationship with my staff, my neighbors, because... I'm worried and stressed about something. When you're worried and stressed out, people just kind of keep their distance. Okay, bad hair day. I'll just wait till that blows over and I'll try again. People keep their distance. But if, if there's peace in your life, if there's rest in our life, we want to be around people like that. Because we feel safe. We feel we're attracted to it. Affects relationships. Affects faith for sure. We've already covered that cripples our faith so how do we deal with worry let's go there and cover some stuff how to deal with worry number one we got to give to god what we cannot do and we need to do it with thanksgiving and with humility the verses philippians chapter 4 verse 6 be anxious for how much oh let's say that out loud together be anxious for nothing that zero nothing nothing I'm thinking, oh, can't I just worry a little bit? Come on, just, can't I just have a little bit of worrying? Because sometimes we actually enjoy worrying just a little bit. Can't I just worry a little bit? Has anybody ever said to you, maybe you had a situation, you were, you were late coming in or something happened to you or you're in the hospital or something, and they said, man, I, I was really worried about you. And, and you kind of feel it's kind of endearing. Oh, you, you were worried about me. Oh, it's almost like, thanks. Thanks for worrying about me. You feel like they, they cared about you. They worried about you. And sometimes this man, I was worried sick about you. Yeah, well, you will get sick if you continue. That's, that's proven. Sometimes we say this stuff, we don't realize that there's power in our words. Uh, so when, when we are in those situations, because it says, be anxious for nothing, Basically, there's two ways we can react. Let's read on here. Be anxious for nothing but in everything what? By prayer. Would you say that with me? By prayer. One more time. By prayer. Because you got two ways you can react when these thoughts come at your head. And they will come. 
Every one of us this week, we will, we'll get to practice the message this week. You may be practicing it right now. I don't know. But you'll get a chance to practice this. Because when it comes at you, there's two ways you can react. You can react by worry or you can react by prayer. By worry, by prayer. Oh, your plane was late and I was thinking about that. And I could have reacted by saying, I was so worried about you or I so prayed for you. Worry is fear camp. Prayer is faith camp. You, 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 we get to choose. If you go to worry camp, you, send, you transmit a message to the chemical plant in your brain and you secrete chemicals into your system that lower your immune system and the whole rest of it. It affects everything in your life. Or you can go to the prayer place and you have a calm, a rest, a peace, a strength. God doesn't override your volition or my volition. We get to choose. By worry, by prayer. By worry, by prayer. So here, Paul writes, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. We, now, we, we, have to, we have to give this to God. As long as we hold it, he can't do anything with it. We have to give it to him. That's where the humility comes in. Because if we're too proud to do it, well, then we still got it. So we have to give it to him. With thanksgiving, there's, there's a little recipe here on how to deal with worry. It has to be done with thanksgiving. That's really, 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 really important that we do with thanksgiving. Why is it important? For example, let's say I lost my job. I lose my job, and I can go by worry. If I lose my job, how do we do it by worry? If we're living by worry, we go, oh, man, I just lost my job. Shoot. I know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen? My unemployment benefits are going to run out and I still won't have a job. I, I know it. It's just it's going to happen. And then, you know what? Like, I likely miss my mortgage payment and they, they might just take my house. And then I'm going to lose my car. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend's not going to want to date me because I lost my car. I don't have a house anymore. And, and, and we play this whole thing forward. That's by worry. Or you can do it by prayer, where you go and say, God, I have, I've, this is where it's at. This is what's happened. I give it to you. Your word says that you'll supply all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And God, I want to thank you. I'm doing this Thanksgiving. I thank you that I'm healthy enough to get a job. I thank you that I got a resume. I got some work experience from that last job. Uh, I can add it to my resume. I'm thankful that I live in a free country. I'm thankful that... Uh, I'm thankful that my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm thankful that it's a, a great day today. I'm thankful that I got access to the transit system. I'm, and you start thanking God. And it moves you from victim to victor. Victorious. Amen? So with thanksgiving, we let, yeah. It's a good place to give God thanks. We do it with thanksgiving. We bring the care, the worry, the request. And then it says, let your requests be made known to God. Another translation says, give these requests to God. What's the result? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Again, like Gideon, we need Jehovah Shalom in the battle. The peace of God, what does it do? It guards what? A heart and our mind. Folks, listen. Christians have an advantage. This is huge. You go in the workplace, 
and you've given all your cares to God, you walk in there with the peace of God. Your mind's clear. You can think clearly. You're, you're on top of it. You're not weighted down. You can make decisions. You're, this, this is strength in the battle, whether it be dealing with family, whether it be dealing with relationships, whether it be dealing with work, whatever it is. That's no wonder God says, don't worry. He's not saying, don't worry. I want to give you some orders. Don't worry. That's, that's not our Lord. It's our Father saying, don't worry. I'm going to care for you. I want to see you healthy. For our kids, we want to see our kids healthy. We want to see them prosper. Your Father's no different. And he's just lovingly saying, don't worry. I'm going to care for you. You're going to be healthy. You know what Jesus would say today to Canadians? Canadians, don't worry about getting cancer. Canadians, don't worry about getting Alzheimer's disease. I bore your iniquities. I carried away your diseases. Yeah, but what about this person? But what about that? Where are you putting your mind? On the promise or the problem? Canadians, don't worry about when you retire. I will care for you. Okay, yeah, yeah, but God, God, but I want that certain boat when I retire, and I want that certain condo when I retire, and I want, okay, okay God, I know you said that, but I want to travel around the world at least twice when I retire, and I want a home in Palm Springs, and I, so this is what we do. This represents our cares, okay? We use a tissue box on purpose because we've been crying a lot about it. We just kind of need to do something about it. So we're going to, this represents our cares. And we're going to obey the word and we're going to give our cares to the Lord. We're going to give it to him, right? So we say, God, you know what? I, okay, I, I give you my cares. I'm, I'm giving you my worries. And we, we cast, right? The, the verse, 1 Peter 5, 6 there you know, it's therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So we, we cast it on the Lord, right? We cast it on the Lord. We give it to him. And then if you're anything like me, this is kind of what happens. Okay, God, I gave that to you. I'm feeling better. Don't have to think about that. Resting on the promises. Oh, God, it's been half an hour. <laughs> have, you, have you done anything that yet? Just, just checking. Just checking to see if anything's happened. Okay, okay, trust in the promises, trust in the promises. Yes, yes, my God will supply all my needs. Just trust in that. Yeah, I want to have a good retirement. Just a side note, if you, if you put conditions on God on how he's supposed to answer it and when he's supposed to answer it, you haven't cast the care. You're kind of like the guy who casts a fishing lure. Ever gone fishing? You take that fishing rod and you, you, get, you, know, you reel it up and then you... But what do you do? You cast it, then what do you do? You. And that's how we do God. We, we cast it out to God, and then we, we reel it back in. No, no. When we cast the care onto the Lord, we're not supposed to reel it back in. Now, no, we've released it. It's kind of like having a lure, and you, you throw it out there, and the line goes, everything. It's just God. If you're a fisherman, it's kind of a sad feeling. If you're a Christian, <laughs> it's a good feeling. Might not have been the best illustration, but you get the idea. You're releasing it. You're casting it and releasing it. And you're casting it on the Lord. And you don't take it back. 
Because when you take it back, you've got it. When we take it back, it means we're big, God's small. But if you leave it in God's hands, it means I'm finite, you're infinite, I will trust you with it. Your timing and your ways. His ways are what? Higher than my ways. So I trust his ways over my ways. So we cast our cares onto the Lord. Give to God what you can't do, but do what you can do. Doing beats stewing. Now we add this point because some people will get in the ditch and they'll say, you know, well, I just, I just cast that onto the Lord. I need a job and I'm, yeah, you know what, I've just cast that onto the Lord and I've totally given it to him and, and uh, it's all going to be good. And uh, then you ask him, well, how's, how's it going? Oh, great. God's going to meet all my needs and, and his riches and glory in Christ. They give you 62 verses and they're just, yeah. And say, so, well, okay, you know, but you're having trouble paying your rent. Yeah, but God's going to supply all my needs. And I said, well, how many, how many job applications have you dropped off? Well, I haven't dropped off any applications. No, I'm just, God's going to do it. It's going to show up. You know, it's just going to come in the mail or they're going to tweet me or they're going to text me and I, I'm going to have a job. And God's, I, I heard a testimony once where a man did this and somebody walked up to him and offered him a job and he, he had it. And I'm just, I'm, God is no respecter persons. And so, I mean, they have cherry picked all their favorite scriptures and they have built their case. Bless your heart. There's some work to be done in your life. No, we have to do our part, right? We give to God what we can't do, but we do our part. The little boy who brought the loaves and fishes to the disciples, they couldn't feed all the multitude, they, but Jesus took the loaves and fishes, and what did he do? He held it up to the Father, asked the Father to bless it. He really cast that on the Father, and then God does the supernatural. You do the natural, let God do the super, and you can walk in peace. I can walk in peace. Okay, so we do what we can do. Then thirdly, how do we deal with worry? Focus on God's promises, not the problems. That's important. Ruth Graham tells a story when Franklin Graham was, most people know that he walked away from the Lord, and it was really, really challenging for both Billy Graham and his wife Ruth. And Ruth, as a mom, was struggling, wrestling with this. And she, by her own vision, I was really worried about him. Because he was in a very destructive lifestyle, very worried about him, wrestling with this, crying out to God. And God really challenged her. He said, you know what? You are focused on the problem, not on the promises. You're praying the problem. You're not praying the promises. Your, your focus is, as a worrier, you're focusing on the problem. If you will shift your focus to the promises, you can be at peace. And she said, I had to take a shift. I had a shift from problems to the promises didn't happen overnight but today all the children serve the lord and she could have worried herself literally sick over it but she chose instead to focus on the promises john 14 verse 1 let not your heart be troubled again it just lines up chemically today scientists will tell you your heart literally is troubled when we worry jesus said believe in god trust me with it Trust me also. Psalm 4 verse 8. I will lie down in peace and sleep. Lie down in peace and sleep. Somebody here this morning, you're going to have a good night's rest. Whoever that is, I speak that over your life. That today, 
this thing's going to die, and you're going to have a great rest. Lord, you're going to keep me safe. Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble, so we will not fear even if the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. What's the result when we give it to God? Casting your care on God means that you love him and you trust him with your life. It's very honoring to God when you say, God, I give this to you. I think sometimes because we're finite, we think, boy, I don't know if God can handle one more problem. He's probably got a lot already. I should probably just worry about this little one myself and not give it to him because he's probably got quite a bit. I mean, he's dealing with all these other issues and big world issues and all this one little issue. I should probably take care of this one myself. No, no, don't think that way. God is, you will not overwhelm him. You will, your cares will not make him hit his tipping point. You can give all of your cares to him and he's going to be okay with it. So you give all your cares to him and it's actually to him, it just means that you love him. Now, your friends might not like that, but God likes it, okay? God says, oh, come unto me all that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So God loves it when we bring our troubles to him. Not all your friends might like that, but God loves it. You bring it to him and you leave it with him. What happens? Romans eight twenty eight. We know all things. All things. Remember, we were supposed to bring all these things to the Lord. Now what happens? All things work together for good to those who love God, called according to his purpose. Psalm 55, 22, great verse to close on. Cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org. 